the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Well, I don't know about you, but I thank God for John Anthony and for the voice that he is in Chicago. I'm Dan Ehrman sitting in for John today. Right now, as we speak, he's down at the Thompson Center emceeing a rally uh, to reopen the state. And so we're thankful for him and him lending his voice for that. Uh, Sitting in studio today with me are Pastor Chris Butler of Chicago Embassy Church. Uh, Chris, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, thank you so much, Dan, for uh, having me on. In addition to serving as a pastor, you, you're a father of, what, just now five children? Five now, yeah. Come on. He's newborn just a few weeks Three ago. Three months old, yeah. And uh, you're also running for Illinois' first congressional seat. Yes, uh, Where Bobby Rush has decided not to run again. Also in studio is Dr. Eric Wallace of Freedom's Journal Institute. Uh, Dr. Wallace, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, thank you for having me on, Dan. It's a pleasure well, to be here. I'm thankful for both of you being here because uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm white and <laughs> this is black. And oh, red. wait a minute! Wait a minute! You are <laughs> nobody told me <laughs> the, the German last name didn't give it away, right? Uh, so to uh, steal my friend Mark Vargas's line, um, you know, I I may not be I I might be uh, I might be right, but I'm definitely not black, and so. What do you all know? You know, the, the, the one drop rule, there could be a drop somewhere, right? <laughs> you got it. So today I'm excited that we're going to be able to parse out not just, you know, politics as usual, but both of you are also faith leaders in Chicago. And we're going to be joined, uh, in, you know, calling in to the studio today. Uh, Pastor Corey Brooks will be calling in from the rooftop and giving us an update on, um, on his campaign to raise uh, $30, $35 million for a community center on the south side, as well as attorney Justin Gibney of the AND campaign and sharing a little bit about his work, as well as talking a little bit of uh, politics and the Supreme Court nominations and things like that, uh, as well as Pastor Keith Gordon, uh, who's a Southside pastor and Pastor Donovan Price, who uh, just has a dynamic ministry in Chicago. He shows up at the scene of, uh, you know, murders and, and things like that, and, and pastors the family, helps people through that in a moment of crisis. So excited to hear from him and learn about his work at Solutions and Resources. Uh, but for both of you gentlemen, you're you're both operating in this space of, uh, politics and faith and the intersection of them. Uh, take us a little bit on your journey, uh, Eric. Maybe I'll, I'll ask you. You know, how did you uh, go from that faith orientation to a political one? Wow, how much time we got? Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it happened, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was 16 and had a call to ministry when I was um, 17, <laughs> gave my first sermon. And so that part of my life had already been been fixed. I've been on this road, this calling to get involved in ministry, to go to, I went to Bible college, seminary, <clears throat> excuse me. And it wasn't until getting ready to graduate from uh, uh, having a, a getting my PhD that I started looking around and trying to figure out, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? And I actually watched the um, uh, Republican convention. I think it was, I think uh, Bush was running for a second time and I knew he had a testimony of being a Christian. Um, And I, for the first time I watched the Republican um, convention pretty much all the way through the first time, because I really hadn't been uh, interested in politics um, but I got interested. And then shortly after that, I mean, I looked at this man. I saw him tear, tear up about um, one of the uh, military people who had there in the, in the audience. And I said, you know what? I can follow this guy. I think he's sincere about his faith. I mean, I don't know whether he's strong Christian or not. I didn't know. But then I saw someone in the Tribune a few days later saying, you know, you know I think it was Jesse Jackson uh, Sr. was talking about how do we affect the, the uh, next election for you know, for the Democrats. And I'm thinking, why can't these guys see the same thing in, in Bush or in the Republican Party that I see? Because, you know, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-traditional family, all these things that that I think um, my colleagues in ministry should be, you know, for. And so that kind of got me started um, then trying to figure out, okay, I got um, initials before my name, I got initials after my name, and some of those things will open up doors that other people can't get through. So I need to use that to the glory of God, to try and call the church to stand up and be the church and to vote his values. That's huge. And for you, Chris, uh, serving as a pastor, you've also been a community leader in in Chicago. Take us a little bit on your journey as well. Yeah. So, you know, I actually got started in in civics and and politics super early uh, in life. Um, when I was in sixth grade, actually, the wow. local school council was going to get rid of the principal at my elementary school. Uh, and, you know, for for whatever reason, I was uh, sort of fired up about that and, and wanted that principal to stay in place. And so I got involved with some other students uh, in, in efforts to try to uh, keep that principal in place. And there was a local community organization uh, involved with that work. And, and from that time, I started hanging around with the local community organization, learning how to do uh, community organizing uh, and, you know, sort of justice work. Uh, and right alongside that same uh, type of effort, I was growing up in my home where my mom, uh, particularly, uh, but my mom and dad kept us, you know, in church, seemed like all the time, uh, you know, Sundays, Wednesdays, Saturdays for sure. Uh, and so I really grew up, I like to say, uh, on the front lines of justice issues and on the front row uh, of church. Uh, and, and really throughout my life, I uh, have tried to maintain, um, you know, a, an effort to sort of work at that nexus, right, where uh, faith intersects uh, with justice in the public square. Um, you know, so I've I've done that uh, working on uh, education issues, working on uh, family uh, values issues, uh, 
working across a number of things. And, and as we're going to talk to Justin a little bit uh, later, but the and campaign is probably the nexus of that uh, work. Uh, since I've been uh, in the pulpit, we've been organizing the and campaign all over the country, really challenging uh, believers, particularly in urban centers um, and, and developing believers to live their faith um, in the public square. You mentioned the and campaign. That's andcampaign.org. Is that right? Andcampaign.org. And uh, kind of introduce that organization a little bit for folks who may not know about it. Yeah. So the and campaign uh, is really born out of uh, the heart of folks who have been involved in civics and politics uh, in, you know, sort of more left-leaning spaces. You know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but, you know, Dan said at the top of the show that he's not black. You know, I might be committing uh, the worst offense here because I'm not right. Uh, you know, I, I um, you know, grew up in a, in a different lane of politics, and, and a lot of people did grow up just like me uh, in a more, uh, you know, sort of democratic, you know, space in these urban centers, but actually living that faith and learning that faith in churches and over time has become much more difficult to do that. And so the and campaign uh, exists to say that there is a way to be faithful, to represent both the compassion and the conviction of scripture uh, and, and not to compromise one's values really to either to the left or to the right. Uh, when it comes to living the, the, the heart of Jesus and, and the public square. Well, uh, we're, we'll, we'll continue talking about that with Justin Gibney, who is one of the founders of that in our next, next segment. Uh, he's an attorney out of Atlanta. Uh, but uh, Eric for freedoms journal Institute organization that mm-hmm. you run, mm-hmm. uh, kind of introduce that to folks who may not know about it. Okay, well, the full name is Freedom's Journal Institute for the Study of Faith and Public Policy. And so we kind of do some of what the ANCAN thing does, except we're coming from, uh, we clearly stake out, you know, conservative um, ideas. Uh, our actual mission is advancing the kingdom of God through social, political, education, and engagement rooted in a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And what we, we do is we ask the church in general and the African-American church in particular to vote its values. The question is, why are you voting for people who don't support same, excuse me, who support same sex marriage when you don't support that? Mm. Why do you vote for people in the office who are pro-abortion when you're pro-life? Um, and I couldn't understand that uh, and felt like if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, that our faith commitment should also show up when we go to the polls. Well, Later on in the show, I'm going to have Chris and Eric kind of uh, chat through that a little bit together <laughs> and, uh, you know, not necessarily seeing eye to eye, but also being uh, both Christians and uh, leaders in civics in, in the Chicago area. So looking forward to that. Uh, in in just a minute, we're going to hear from attorney Justin Gibney. Uh, he founded the AND campaign along with a couple other guys. Who are they? Uh, show Baraka and Angel. Angel. Great. Well, I am Dan Ehrman sitting in for John Anthony today on uh, Black and Right. And uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to hear from Justin. Be right back after this. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. The answer. Here's John Anthony. Well, I'm Dan Ehrman in for John Anthony today on Black and Right. And I'm joined in studio uh, by Dr. Eric Wallace and Pastor Chris Butler. Uh, 
Chris was, uh, he's part of the leadership of a group called the Ann Campaign, and one of the founders of the Ann Campaign, attorney Justin Gibbony, is joining us uh, right now from Atlanta. Justin, welcome to Black and Right. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I, I have uh, heard you speak before uh, at, at a church here in Chicago and sharing with pastors and in, 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 in sharing your vision for the Ann Campaign and the work you're doing. And I'd love for folks to hear from you uh, about that vision and about the work you're doing there. Yeah, we just want to help Christians engage politics more faithfully. Uh, unfortunately, I think in our political landscape, uh, we've we've kind of created a false dichotomy. Uh, on one side of that dichotomy is uh, justice issues. On the other side is kind of moral order issues. And uh, you got to choose one or the other. And the Ant Campaign thinks that that is just a, a choice that uh, Christians can't make, that we need to be about our compassion and our conviction, about justice and moral order. And so we try to bring those together and have Christians f- focus more so on Christian principles than party and ideology. Uh, and so that, that's what's been our focus, that we're trying to raise civic literacy and bring Christians, biblical Christians, from uh, um, both sides of the aisle together to do uh, the good work. Well, your friend Chris Butler is here in studio, and I listened to uh, your podcast together, the Church and Politics podcast, uh, fairly regularly, and uh, enjoy the dialogue that you guys have there. Uh, in a recent show, you guys talked through some of the voter ID laws that have been uh, going on um, in, in kind of the, the conversation going on right now. Uh, can you kind of bring us up to speed, and maybe for you and Chris, just to give us a, a little window into your perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, well, first of all, thanks for listening to the, the podcast church politics. We, we appreciate that. I think the, you know, this is a, an issue where there's a lot of disagreement, even inside the church. I think one thing I, I try to start with what we, we can agree on, which hopefully is the, the facts and the historical fact is that um, African-Americans especially have been disenfranchised, uh, in this country longer than we've had franchise. And so I think we have to realize when we talk about this issue, it needs to be taken very seriously and it needs to be looked at from that historical context. And when we start to create laws like uh, they've, they've tried to do here in, uh, in Georgia and have done in Georgia, uh, where it's making it harder to get for people to get to the polls, the, you know, the scrutiny and, the, and the, the burden is on the people who are trying to make those changes to show that they're actually needed. One of the problems is sometimes people, don't, people can't uh, uphold that burden. And so what I say is that we have to be very serious. This should not be a partisan issue because we want to make sure people have access. At the same time, I think one thing we know is both when it comes to partisanship, both parties will take advantage of a narrative. So things can be overstated at the same time. Uh, so we have, you know, two bills. Uh, in, you know, that, that went to the Senate, um, you know, there was talk of getting rid of the filibuster to make sure that those went through. And I think there should be a way uh, for, for Democrats and Republicans to come together to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. When you're talking about a constitutional republic, any kind of de- democracy, voting is at the core of that. And we need to make sure that people, for good reason, have faith in, in the system. Dr. Wallace, uh, you weren't on the podcast, but you are our conservative expert in the room. And, yeah. you know, for you, as you consider this issue, what are the things that come to mind for you? Well, I think I can. I think most people can agree we want election integrity. Um, I think both sides can agree on that. But whether you think that the um, 
the, the elections that have been turned over actually to the state by the 10th Amendment should be controlled by by the feds is a whole nother issue. And I think that's where conservatives have an issue. They don't want bigger government. I mean, the whole fight has been I mean, if you want to uh, drill down to uh, sim- sim- simplistic um, ideas of how liberals and if, if I speak for liberals, liberals and conservatives see see government, conservatives want less federal government. They want more state government and more at a local level where others want to see more federal control. And that legislation, um, I forget what it is. John Lewis is more about, you know, once once you uh, pass that bill, if anybody wants to make any changes, they got to go through the Department of Justice, right? Um, the other bill, and I forget what it's called. Somebody help me here. Um, the right to vote or something like that. Um, anyway. Justin, do you know off the top of your head? Uh, you, you have the John Lewis and the, the other one's uh, slipping my mind right now. Yeah, but, uh, we can't remember is, that one. Yeah. That makes four of us. Nice yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're all really yeah, smart and we all, we all agree that we can't remember. <laughs> but but my, my, my thought is we, we, we bulk at it because we don't want a federal government takeover of that, uh, what is actually should go to the states. And, and the whole idea that somehow we're making it more difficult. I've asked this a couple of my friends who are, who are progressives. And I said, what, what specific uh, law is there that actually keeps black people from voting uh, that we have that Georgia has in place right now that, you know, white people can do, but black people somehow can't, can't measure up. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, you know, that commentary kind of goes back to not, not looking at it with historical context. I can, I can give you an example myself. I I had a, my grandmother lived in Colorado for years and years, never had a problem voting, got to Georgia and could not, uh, could not get the the IDs and all the stuff that she needed to vote. And that, that's a real story. So if you haven't heard one, if you hadn't heard one before you heard it now, um, and you know, it's, it's other things, especially you're talking about Georgia, it's things such as, um, access to um, um, voting on, you know, whether it's on Sunday or whether it's at another time. When we when we erase the history of this and act and act like you know things have always been the same, and we wonder why one group has, you know, one one group seems more disenfranchised than the other, we have to make sure that we're looking at the historical context, looking at boundaries that are put up. I don't know how familiar you are with the, the Georgia laws, but there were several things within the conversation that could have made things harder to vote for, for certain people. And we should want as much access as possible, not trying to, not try to stop access. Maybe as a counterpoint without coming on too strong with that, Justin, if, you know, we talk about the disenfranchisement that has happened in America in the past and nobody's denying that. And we're acknowledging that history, but there's also a sense of that's not the reality today. And is there a sense where we can operate in the what is instead of the well, what I think was? I, I think I just gave you an example. Uh, you know, no, uh, Governor Deal talked about the ghetto grandmothers because there were a lot of African-Americans who, because of our system, didn't have the same type of birth certificates and all those issues that were not able to get IDs so that they could, so that they could vote. That is a reality. And that that's been recognized in here in Georgia where I'm at by Democrats and Republicans. Now, some people were worried about it. Some of it aren't. Some of them aren't. But that's, that's real. Uh, that's, that's something that I've, I've experienced within my family, uh, for example. Well, I, I, I can't speak to, you know, this specific instance of why she couldn't, um, you know, get registered to vote. I don't know what the issues were. But uh, I know that uh, when Georgia passed its uh, voter ID law, 
um, shortly after that, when they had an election, there were more black people voting. So it didn't, you know, having having people required to have some kind of picture ID didn't stop black people from voting. And I'm tired of listening to folks talk about how somehow black people are incapable. I mean, for a long time, we had we had um, elections on one day. Now we got it spread out. And now because they may do something about Sunday voting, all of a sudden, ooh, ooh, it's you know, it's 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 hurting black people from voting. Like well, only black people vote on Sunday. I, I think that is really important. Like because even this conversation, the numbers, yeah, we. When you talk about elections, especially when you look at it in a historical context, I think that the burden cannot be placed uh, on those who are trying to make uh, voting more accessible, right? Like those who want to make it less accessible, whether that's eliminating days or making more, uh, you know, barriers and qualifications to get into the ballot. The burden has to be on why do we need that uh, versus making folks who are trying to protect access prove that we need to protect it. Well, Justin, we've got about. And why would we? Why would we? And and it's very. It's it's it's. You know, this is one thing that you can look up. Sunday voting is something that was done by a lot of African American churches. People in Georgia know that that was the day when people in the African American community went to go vote. So when you take that particular day away, you got to give me a reason why that makes sense and why you're taking that access away, or people will assume that you're doing it because you don't want certain groups to vote. I think we all can understand that. Uh, that's the second example that I've given. Uh, and those are issues that we have to address because, because they, it's just not a coincidence. There's a connection to who's voting and the history of what's happened throughout this country. Well, Justin, we are just wrapping up right now. We really appreciate you calling in and lending your expertise to it. I love the work that you're doing at the AND campaign and campaign.org. Attorney Justin Gibney, uh, thank you for joining us today on Black and Right. Uh, We're going to be right back after this, continuing our conversation, talking about voter ID and uh, politics here in Chicago. I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. Well, good afternoon. I'm Dan Urban sitting in for John Anthony today here on Black and Right. I'm joined in studio with Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace. Uh, We were talking with Attorney Justin Gibney of the AND campaign just before this, and he we kind of unpacked some of the voter ID things going on right now and the impact that has on the black community. Uh, And uh, we've got a call we're going to take now uh, from. From Larry, welcome to Black and Right. Hi, um, I'm one of those. He gave an example of how um, voter suppression, how his, I think he said his grandmother had moved from California to Georgia and was suppressed, had her vote suppressed because she didn't have an ID. I didn't even change states. And in order for me to vote, I would have had to go back to where I moved from back in 08. Um, I'm a resident of Illinois, and so my vote was suppressed as well, but I'm not black. So I don't understand, once again, I don't understand how this is a racial thing. It doesn't make sense in my mind as a racial thing, just a situational thing. Oh, that's a good perspective, Larry. We appreciate you calling in with that. Chris, maybe do you want to respond to that a little bit? 
Yeah, I think it's uh, two things. One, and there's a certain perspective where that's absolutely correct. I mean, I think any uh, we're so connected, and any trap that you try to set for uh, one group of people is going to catch other folks in it because we, we're just too connected. Um, and so we, we have to start to expand our view of that. But as we expand that view, I think you do just have to keep in context uh, the, keep it in the historical context, right? They, there is a community in this country that really not too long ago, not even a, a full, you know, lifetime ago, was, you know, uh, oppressed when it comes to access to the ballot. And so that conversation uh, in reference to that particular community uh, is going to be more, uh, is going to have a lot more energy around it because this is something that, folks have have had to struggle with yeah but the larry oh. thank you for calling in we appreciate it yeah dr wallace okay it, that that still doesn't really answer the question that's kind of dodging it though because if you go by percentages the percentages would all equal out per population for each demographic it's not a trap for anybody specifically it's a trap for anybody who moves and I don't think that that's an intentional trap. That's just a side effect of a rule and law put in place to stop people from that have a vacant apartment from being able to just cast a vote out of that apartment. Well, right. thank you, Larry. I appreciate you calling in with that. Uh, Dr. Wallace, what, what's your perspective on you know this issue, and well, what, what's kind of your take with well, this? Well, first of all, I, I had a problem with it called voter suppression. I mean, mm. there's, there's a certain amount of responsibility we have to follow the law, know what the law is, and then to follow it so we can be registered to vote. Um, I'm in agreement with uh, Justin Gabney. I'm like, hold on, sound his Gibney. name. Gibney, I'm sorry. Um, that we want to make it easier to vote, but we want to make it harder to cheat and to pretend like, I mean, we live in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> I mean, we know there's been, there's been cheating that's been, that's been done. There's uh, been a few shenanigans yeah. over the years. And so we can't pretend like that hasn't happened. So how do we, and I think both sides may be able to agree with that, if they're really sincere about trying to do something about voter access and trying to keep people from voting who shouldn't be voting. If you're a non-citizen, I don't care. You should not be voting. All right. And so uh, there is a responsibility to get your stuff together, uh, go to the DM, go to the DMV or wherever it is, the um, uh I'm trying to remember the uh, Illinois um, Board of Elections, yeah. wherever you have to go to, to get you know, registered to vote and get registered to vote. I don't know what, um, you know, you give me certain uh, instances of something happened, but you don't give me all of the all the particulars. So there's no way in the world I can look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's a good example. And, and we can sort through, I mean, in, in Georgia, in the state of Illinois, in a lot of uh, states around the country, uh, some of the barriers that are in place for certain people to get IDs. Uh, and, and again, I, I, I actually agree with the caller that uh, these issues are not just issues that, that only face uh, African-American communities. And, and I also want to say that I agree uh, with Dr. Wallace uh, when we start to use the this these language uh this language like voter suppression uh you know in the height of this debate you hear people bringing up uh Jim Crow uh and that's when you start to lose me uh because 
what we have in the United States today uh, is is far, far better than what people suffered under Jim Crow. So mm-hmm. when you start talking about Jim Crow 2.0, uh, that also dishonors the history that I think is so important. It's such a good dialogue, and I'm thankful that uh, Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace, you're both here in studio to weigh in on it. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next guest. Pastor Donovan Price uh, runs an organization called Solutions and Resources in Chicago. And there's a lot of nights in Chicago when there's a shooting. He shows up on the scene and he ministers to the families and works for the peace of the city. Excited to hear from him coming up next on Black and Right. I'm Dan Ehrman sitting in for John Anthony. Be right back after this with Donovan Price. Don't put your blame on me. Let's get it to him, baby girl. Hey. Black and right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Well, I'm sorry, John Anthony's not in today. I'm Dan Ehrman sitting in for John. John is right now emceeing a rally at the Thompson Center downtown and uh, looking to reopen Illinois. So we're thankful for him and grateful to to jump in uh, for him today. I'm joined again by Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace. Right now on the phone, we're going to be joined by Pastor Donovan Price, who runs an organization called Solutions and Resources, uh, serving in Chicago. Pastor, uh, welcome to Black and Right. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm thankful to have you on and to take a little bit of your time here. Uh, You run a really dynamic ministry in Chicago, um, and you're someone that I, I pray for and that uh, you step into some really high-stress spaces. Uh, introduce kind of what your ministry is, what you do. Uh, basically, uh, when someone is uh, shot or and killed or and or killed in Chicago, more more likely if someone is uh, shot and their their body is on the scene, they're they're dead at the scene. I'm there usually about 20 minutes after shots fired, and work with the uh, family as they arrive. The mom who's there to, because she heard her child was killed. The communities. Uh, businesses and, and anybody uh, you know who's affected by this uh, violent event I, I then take the family or whoever to the morgue for body identification the next day help them to find resources for the funeral or vigil and uh, work with them for the rest of their lives that's quite a calling on your life to serve in some high stress situations high emotions uh, how do you almost protect yourself and uh, kind of, uh, you know, re, re, uh, re-strengthen yourself after all of these interactions? Well, I, I don't really worry about protecting myself. Uh, they're the uh, priority. Um, generally, after uh, situations, uh, I, I have my little, little methods of decompression. Uh, I take a break uh, for about 10 days quarterly and uh, get out of Chicago. Um, and try to clear and, and uh, rejuvenate myself and uh, and then dive back in uh, because it, it's very important that that somebody jump in and 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 love on these people love on uh, uh, the the severity of the situation love through the severity of the situation and continue with them and and be by their side uh, just because it, it needs to happen. Well, black and right and being on AM560, we're kind of at that intersection of politics and faith with this. So this might be an uncomfortable question, but looking at Chicago and the dynamics of the violence that seems to continue to escalate, 
and some of the conversation with Mayor Lightfoot of, uh, you know, kind of defunding the police and we're seeing kind of a hemorrhaging in the Chicago Police Department. Uh, what is your perspective kind of boots on the ground in Chicago uh, as you see all this unfold? Well, there's a lot of things going on. Uh as it is in uh, in, in society, uh, uh, as society is is exists, um, what I do and, and the violence, uh, of course, some of the reasons for uh, this uh, this situation, violence wise, um, comes from all of those things. Comes from older, you know, issues, systemic issues, historically systemic, and um, you know, a, a ton of issues, um, new and old. Um, however, for me, it's, 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 it's important, I think, that I, I focus on what I focus on, and that is those left in the wake of uh, one of the bigger tragedies uh, in our society today, in particular in Chicago. And if we want to get more particular uh, for the greater part of the African-American community, even though I've done, uh, you know, uh, People I've worked with people from every community. One minute it could be, you know, that mom in Inglewood, um, but I've also worked with rabbis in Skokie. Uh, uh, so it, it, it's not um, just uh, a, a an African American problem. It's a human problem. Uh, it's a societal problem. It's a, a cultural problem, and uh, it's important that you know somebody focus on one thing and uh, and try to handle that. Uh, and that's what I do. That's what I'm called to do. When I see a violence occur, I feel like in some ways that's a, a spiritual interaction that goes on with that, too. It's it's taking of, of flesh and blood, but there seems like there's a spiritual dynamic at play. What What is your perspective on, you know, how do you see God either showing up or where do you see almost spiritual forces of evil at work in, in Chicago? Well, I, I see God. I see I see you know, the enemy, I see Satan, I see, um, demonic forces. Um, you know, when you're at a crime scene and some young person or somebody has been killed moments earlier by an act of hate an act of hateful aggression and that type of thing, um, it becomes obvious after a while, um, that is happening, uh, what is happening there. And of course you, you, you are there on the side of good on the side of God. And so you simply, uh, uh, fight with with the weapons that you're given uh and from the side that you that you're on which is what I've chosen uh and am calling to do and so I I, I absolutely agree with the the fact that there's spiritual forces but the bible teaches and uh uh as a christian it's necessary to fight I I think anything that you stand for you must fight for and uh in this situation uh um, I fight both on that level and then fight on the levels uh, and on other levels, more carnal levels, political um, and otherwise, societal, cultural uh, and otherwise. Well, Pastor Donovan Price, if you can stick around with us through the break, we're going to continue our conversation. You're hearing again from Pastor Donovan Price, who runs Solutions and Resources. And this is Black and Right on AM560. I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back with Donovan Price after this. Black and right with John Anthony on AM560, the answer. I'm on the low, 
have Dan Ehrman in for John Anthony today, and we are continuing our conversation with Pastor Donovan Price of Solutions and Resources. And uh, Dr. Eric Wallace, uh, Freedom's Journal Institute, is in studio along with Pastor Chris Butler. Uh, Dr. Wallace, in the break, we were kind of conversing, and you had a question you wanted to serve up. If you'd give us a little background and perspective on that. Yeah, I, uh, one of the things that Freedom's Journal talks about is uh, we have the RISE principles, and that's an acronym that stands for Responsible Government, Individual Liberty and Fidelity, Strong Family Values, and Economic Empowerment. And we also have a piece that says uh, a, a, a project we call Black Families Matter. And so our thing is if we really think of, uh, care about black lives, we should do something about to encourage black families and their strength. And so my question had to do with, I notice you see something uh, – you talk about solutions and resources, and I wanted to know what you saw as the solutions to some of the crime that's going on in Chicago. Well, I believe that solutions uh, um, are perhaps in some cases as as uh, as varying as the incidents themselves and as numerous, numerous as the incidents themselves. However, there are certain things such as, you know, as, as people talk about, uh, from the historically uh, systemic issues to family uh, to um, to education to investment, uh, there are there are various issues that all need to be treated and all need to be recognized as issues because that's one of the things that that uh, is is a major problem is the fact that most people who don't recognize some of the issues or don't uh, realize that these issues are even issues and um, things like family uh, without fathers. Then you have young men who are seeking the blessing as the Bible mm-hmm. speaks of among many other things. And, and people, you know, want, would rather look at guns and look at some of the, the issues that, that, that are outlying um, instead of some of the internal issues, some of the, um, major contributaries to this uh, ocean of death, and uh, and and of course the family. Once the family structure is broken down in any so-called um, uh, civilized society, then you start to see the beginning of breakdown and chaos uh, as a whole. It, so toward that you, you know idea of solutions, with that, how can we work to? Uh, bring restoration to some of that breakdown and to bring wholeness where there's brokenness. I think one of the things is for people to realize that, that we have a problem, a universal problem, not a them over there problem and an us over here. Um, uh, and the fact that that was happening over there isn't happening over here is not a solution. It's just uh, waiting on the problem to spread, and when it does, then, oh, my God, how could that happen in in this neighborhood, that type of thing, in this uh, level of society, and start to um, utilize what they have for those who are in different situations. Uh, Everybody pitch in a hand so that everybody benefits from the overall uh, thing. I always tell people um, one of the, the, the major core solution to this is for people to start to love somebody that they don't even know. And in many cases, the person that they don't even know is themselves. Yeah, that's powerful. Chris, in the 30 seconds, you had a quick question. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, one, thanks, Pastor Donovan, for the work that you do. Um, we have this big conversation about uh, police 
Is calling the police still a viable option in the city of Chicago? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 without it, um, I, I would shudder to think of where we would be. However, there are lots of things that need to be done beside that. Well, that's huge. Well, uh, Pastor Donovan, we appreciate you joining us today on Black and Right. Where can people find you online? Um, www.solutionsandresources.org or on Twitter or Facebook, Pastor Donovan Price or Solutions and Resources. Well, Pastor, we appreciate you coming on Black and Right, and God bless you in the work that you're doing. We'll be right back after this with Pastor Corey Brooks. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Welcome back to Black and Right. Dan Ehrman today in for John Anthony. I'm joined in studio again by Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace. And, uh, you know, we just came out of uh, the last break. We were talking to Pastor Donovan Price and the dynamics of him navigating violence in the city and the role of police and perspectives on that. Uh, Eric, as you look at the conversation around law enforcement in Chicago, what do, what do you see around that? And what do you see as some of the, the issues? What are some of the opportunities? Good question. Uh, I have to um, say that I'm a former police officer. So before I give my answer, I mean, I didn't do it for a very long time because I thought I could mix um, being a police officer and with ministry. And that, that didn't work out for me. And I had other friends who that worked out for, but it didn't work out for me. So, uh, so yeah, I think that um, uh, I, I, what I wanted to draw down in the solutions piece was that look at, there have to be short-term solutions and long-term solutions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he talked about was the breakdown of families. And so how do we build that back up? How do we build up, um, you know, marriage in the black community? Because um, one of the things they talk about, the, the success sequence to keep people out of poverty is finish high school, get a job, get married, and then have children in that order. And you're less likely to fall into poverty. And you're less likely then to get involved in all this, these other activities, uh, you know, uh, uh, sticking people up and things like that, you know, carjackings and things like that. Uh, well, but we also have the short term term solutions, which is better policing. Uh, we also talked about better schools. Um, we're for sc- I'm for school choice. Um, I think a lot of people have signined up to have their well, kids go to. Um, I want to I want to cut you off because sure. uh, Pastor Corey Brooks is on the on the line with us and have him jump into the conversation. Uh, Pastor Brooks calling it from the rooftop. How are you doing? Man, I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to be uh, with you all today. Well, we're excited to hear from you. You're no stranger to AM560. Uh, folks probably see you, and you're a regular guest on Fox News and, and other folks. Bring people up to speed on Project Hood and your work down on the south side of Chicago. So Project Hood, Hood stands for Helping Others Attain Destiny. Our goal is to eradicate violence and poverty on the south side of Chicago, but also creating a model for other uh, cities to follow. Our goal is uh, right now I'm on the roof of a building uh, trying to bring attention and awareness of the violence in Chicago and abroad and other cities, but also to raise as much money as we possibly can to build a center on this block called O Block. It's called O Block because it's named after a young man named O.D. Perry who was shot and killed in the gangs 
picked up the O in his name and started calling it O Block. So we're changing that. Uh, we're going to keep the O, but we're going to call it Opportunity Block. So we're creating programs for people and uh, that work, and that's what uh, that's what we do. Well, Corey, uh, it, you're in the middle right now of uh, what day are you now on, on the rooftop? You got to be like in the 70s by now, right? Yeah, we finally made it to day 70. This is day 70, so we have 30 more days to go. And uh, we have a lot of more money to raise, so we still have a lot of work to do. Oh, I'm, I'm excited about that you're, uh, you know, standing up in the neighborhood and, you know, taking a stand on the rooftop. And you've you've had a whole host of people come and, and meet with you, pray with you and come and support. Uh, what is what has that been like as an experience the last 70 days? It's been a blessing. You know, we've had some great people come. Uh, we've had all the Republican candidates for governor to come and visit. Uh, three out of the five, excuse me, which has been great. Uh, we've had a lot of entertainers. We've had some athletes. Joe Kim Noah, from, uh, for those who remember, he played for the Bulls, was here last week. And so, you know, it's, it's been great having so many people come by. Even Dr. Eric Wallace, uh, who's on the show today, uh, was <laughs> one of right. our business. That's right. Well, that's excellent. I, I, I've talked to a number of community leaders who have talked about coming up there with you and just been excited about the work that you're doing and the vision that you have for Chicago. Uh, part of the work that you do it, it is at that intersection of violence. We just had Pastor Donovan Price on in the segment before this, and he was talking mm-hmm. about you know some of the spiritual dynamics of violence in Chicago. And I wanted to continue that conversation with you as well. And, you know, what what do you see going on in you know in Chicago in kind of this conflict in in a spiritual sense between uh, good and evil and between God and uh, you know evil powers and principalities? Right. Well, first of all, I tell people all the time that it's a lot of rampant, unharnessed wickedness in the city. Uh, people are blatantly uh, hurting one another. Crimes are being committed at an all time high, and Criminals are getting more uh, blazing with their with their crimes as far as uh, what's going on on the south sides and west sides of Chicago. And what we see is uh, that because the crime is not being dealt with in a way that is effective and efficient, uh, it's spreading in other parts that we normally typically don't see a lot of violence or a lot of crime in the city. That's the reason why now you see it on downtown, you see it on the north. Uh, up north, you see it on uh, the Gold Coast. Those areas are now dealing with carjackings and shootings in the in the loop. And 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 typically, normally that that did not used to happen at to the degree that it happens now. So violence is spreading, and that's the reason why it becomes more important for all of us uh, to get all hands on deck and do as much work as we possibly can to alleviate this violence uh, from our city. And Corey, as you kind of interact with with folks in the community uh some of the you know you work with law enforcement there as well uh dr wallace was you know just kind of talking through the role of police and uh law enforcement with that as as you go about this work in 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 the community what is your dynamic of interacting with law enforcement and, and how does that impact the work that you do as a pastor so we, I just had two police officers uh, leave the tent just about an hour ago. Uh, they Their main job is to recruit officers for the police department. So we were talking about how we have to work harder to create uh, more opportunities for individuals to get recruited from our neighborhood. And I, I think part of that comes with creating a better relationship between the police and uh, our community. 
uh, for so long. Uh, there have been individuals that have pushed uh, for there to be uh, conflict and, and, and disagreements and division amongst police and, com- and community, but that's not my stance. My stance is I want to work as hard as I possibly can to bring police and community together because we both need each other. And so um, I'm, I'm, everyone knows I'm pro-police. Uh, I never do believe that we should be talking about defunding the police, if anything, we ought to be enlarging their uh, their their budget so that they can get the, the individuals that they need to do all the work that has to be done, especially those detectives who are overworked and overwhelmed. Pastor Brooks, this is the Reverend yes, Doctor. This is the Reverend Doctor Eric Matthew Edward Wallace. That's the whole name, and there will be, there will be a test afterwards. Look, uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, man, I, I do want to ask you. I know you're trying to build this. Uh, community center, excuse me, you're going to build this community center with the money that you raise. Um, how do you see this community center actually helping, um, you know, transform the community? Right. Well, you know, every community needs a, a stronghold or a linchpin that is the center of uh, transformation and, and bringing peace. We need a place that's going to do that for us. And this center is going to definitely help transform lives by giving skills and abilities in so many areas, whether it's spiritual skills, uh, career skills, or just uh, personal communication skills. Uh, we got construction classes, mentoring classes, coloring art classes, uh, ment- everything that you can imagine for a person that would need the transformation in their life, we're going to have, even all the way down to counseling and uh, creating those wraparound services. So this center is not just a place where kids can go and play some basketball and you know and all that, even though we will have basketball courts and a nice big swimming pool. It's more of a place where uh, a, a person can uh, go and, and, and get an assessment and, and get on a path toward change. Yeah. Hey, Pastor Brooks, this is Pastor Chris Butler. Um, and I'm uh, just so appreciative the of one the one and only Chris Butler. Oh, the one man. and only Chris Butler. <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I think about, you know, back when we were doing like the Chicago Peace Campaign and, and, and how much a part of that the local police departments were. Uh, and fast forward to today when there's so much of this sort of like anti-police rhetoric uh in the community, and, and, and there, there's some context to that for sure. But how do we actually begin to bring that temperature down um, and start to bring community together with police like you talked about? I, I 100% agree with you that we need each other. We have to be supporting our police. Uh, what are some steps that we can be taking community folks and police uh, to, to bridge that gap? 20 seconds. Yeah, we gotta, we got to create points of interaction. So many times we call the police when it's time for them to uh, respond to a, a crime or something like that. But we have to start inviting them to uh, our events. We have to get them involved in the community and, and get them engaged with community. That's how we do it, and that's the quickest way to do it. Well, Pastor Brooks, how can people find out more about you and support your work? Go to projecthood.org, projecthood, H-O-O-D.org, projecthood.org. Well, Pastor Brooks, stay warm up there. We're looking up to you on the rooftop and looking toward the Lord to sustain you in that. So we're going to continue here on Black and Right. I'm Dan Ehrman. Be right back after this. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Black and Right is back. I'm Dan Ehrman sitting in for John Anthony today along with... uh, Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace. And gentlemen, uh, 
we've we've had some great guests on so far. Uh, Pastor Corey Brooks was just on talking about his work at Project Hood, uh, projecthood.org. I'd, I'd encourage you, if you haven't checked it out already, to do that. I'd also encourage you to uh, to you know support him. I you know be praying for him in the ministry, but also to uh, you know support him financially and get behind the work that he's doing, trying to raise money uh, to make an impact on the south side of Chicago in his community with the church. Excited to see uh, what God will do through those uh, endeavors with that. Uh, Doctor Eric Wallace, uh, you started the Freedoms Journal Institute. Uh, but you didn't do that alone. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, and I wanted to let people know that I am the co-founder, along with my wife, Jennifer Wallace, who actually, um, uh, we'd started this web back, I think, 2011. So we've been doing this for a while. Recently, we started, I guess it was 2019. Or, I can't remember. I'm getting old. But uh, <laughs> uh, we have a, a project. One of our projects is called um, Black Families Matter which was a response to Black Lives Matter, because our feeling was if, if black lives really matter, we should be talking about how we strengthen the black family. And so part of our goal is strengthening our communities, one marriage and one family at a time. So um, you're going to see some things coming up from from her and some, uh, oh, we just redid our website recently. And so we've got some new things coming up. Um, I also do, um, I'm the co-host, excuse me, I'm the host of, uh, Kingdoms in Conflict. I almost got the name of my own show. Kingdoms in Conflict, uh, where we where we talk about issues from a conservative, a biblically conservative worldview. Uh, and the name actually came from the Gospel of Luke, where we look at you know the first couple of chapters of Luke, where we see you know Luke is talking about the first three chapters, where he mentions Caesar Augustus and Pontius Pilate and all these all these political people. And at one point, I just looked at them as as uh, historical markers. To show that you know Luke is his his true history, then it occurred to me as I read even closer that what's happening is Israel is under duress, mm. and the true King of Kings actually comes while Israel is being occupied, and it calls um, the nation of Israel and to others outside the nation as well into allegiance to the true King, and I think that's one of the things that Freedom's Journal Institute tries to do. It's a movement to the church to call the church to be radically Christian. And actually, I'm Christian before I'm black. We've got it the other way around. We've got, you know, I'm black. I'm a black Christian. No, I'm a Christian who happens to be black. And that should be the, that should be the tone, I believe, for the church itself, period. There's so much there with the work that you're doing. Uh, with, you know, with your show, I was just t- talking in the break with the Kingdoms in Conflict. You've kind of had... Uh, you know, conversations with who's who of like black conservative thought leaders across uh, yes. the country, really. And that must be just a great dynamic for you uh, to be, in, you know, interacting with those ideas and, and really discussing things uh, with a, a unique perspective. And you can catch that on our website right now, season one and season two. Uh, we're in the process of doing season three, but we're on TLN. We're also on uh, the National Religious Broadcasters uh, TV, and uh, hopefully eventually we might even get on the radio. Love it. Love it. Well, in our, in our conversations, both with Donovan Price and with Corey Brooks, we, we talked a little bit about policing and uh, this, the dynamics in Chicago of, uh, you know, there's some systemic violence. There's uh, complexities around, you know, defunding the police and 
those those conversations that have happened in the last couple of years. Uh, Chris, as as you approach this, you know you're running for for Congress in the Illinois first a congressional yep. district, uh, but you're running as a Democrat. Uh, you're on black and right now, right now, so you're, you're you might be on notice a little bit. But uh, <laughs> uh, what for you? What do you see as that dynamic, and what is kind of your uh, your policy uh, platform on that? Yeah, I think you know. First thing I'll say, uh, Dan, is that the approach to this has to be right, uh, and I think my presence here on this show uh, is, is is sort of evidence of my thought about the approach to this, like we have to be able to sit down uh, with folks who are, you know, quote unquote on the other side of the aisle, uh, maybe in some other uh, sort of uh, ideological tribe. And when it comes to this issue of policing, uh, again, I don't think you can ignore historical context, but when I'm out here knocking on doors uh, in the ministry that I do organizing Chicago peace campaign, I've yet to meet uh, a homeowner, uh, a single mom, uh, e- even you know many youth who don't understand that there are circumstances, uh, especially that take place in these communities where there's been so much disinvestment, where you need to be able to call the police, uh, who don't understand that still today the data still holds true that the best deterrent of violent crime is the presence of a beat cop. Right. And so we cannot uh, sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, on this view. We have to support our police, um, you know, certainly have to deal with any you know, sort of lack of professionalism uh, that an, a police officer might bring to his or her approach to the job. But this idea of throwing out policing from uh, these sort of short term, I love what, what Dr. Wallace talked about, these short term solutions to community violence, I mean, policing's got to be top of that list. Uh, and the more we reject our police, uh, the more difficult that job becomes and the more violence we're going to see in our communities. I think it's, it's, it's pretty simple. With the uh, Chicago police officers I've interacted with, uh, just they've been so frustrated with the dynamics going on and the politicking and just feeling kind of undercut. And, you know, I was I was at a uh, 100 Club of Illinois gathering and there were it was a police officer at the table there with us. And the officer was just uh, blown away, almost in tears, looking at here's a group of, you know, I don't know, a few hundred people actually celebrating and supporting first responders in the state. And we've got this political dynamic that is almost anathema to that. How do you start to see, you know, coming together of this? I think you got to start giving people more options. I mean, that's part of the reason that I'm running for Congress, because I think that folks would love to uh, see somebody who's going to, you know, stand up with them on a lot of the issues that uh, they do care about and stand with them on this issue. I'm telling you, the folks in the community want to be able to partner with uh, their police departments, Uh, you know. It's for ministers who are listening to this. It's a similar dynamic, right? You know, you hear like, "Oh, well, the preacher just, you know, just wants your money." And for sure, there's got to be some preachers out there who are in it just for financial gain. But the vast majority of of church leaders, I mean, they live on, you know, we live on very low income. We live in small houses. We drive little cars, and we do it for the service of the people. And 
we have to see that in our police departments as well. Mm. Oh, that's good. Dr. Wallace, yeah. you're the former officer in the room. <laughs> I'd love to hear a little more. From well, you. I, I was just going to say you can't because there's uh, there are a few bad police, but there are a few bad people in, in every area of life. There are some bad pastors that you just kind of enumerated. And there's, you know, there's bad radio hosts. I mean, not here, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> so we, we shouldn't indict everyone because there's a few bad apples. Um, and so we should always be working because the people who suffer the most are the folks who live in that, that neighborhood. So when black crime goes up is black people that live in that neighborhood are ones who are being victimized. Uh, same within Latino communities, white communities, other communities, um, black people, generally speaking, will steal from other black people or, you know, so it doesn't help us to say, let's get rid of the police. Cause then all of a sudden our people get victimized and, and it's our little ones who get shot by stray bullets. Right. And so we, we want to see um, cooperation with the police. But at the same time, as we talked about a, a long-term solution, we want to see revival in our communities. Absolutely. We want to see these people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We want to see that even people do go to jail. This is one of the things I want to say is that when, you're, when people's parents go to jail, let's not send them way down somewhere where, where their kids can't get to them. Mm. I think there should be close proximity so they can go visit their dad or their mom, whoever's in jail, because we want them to have that family connection so that their father can look at them and say, Hey, you shouldn't, you don't want to wind up here. Like I am. I need you to behave. Did you go to school today? Did you, you know, whatever. There's a sense of family and flourishing that comes with that. And being pro-life means that you're pro for all of life and in, in, in how you go about that. We're going to continue talking with uh, Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace here on Black and Right. I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back after this here on Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Here's my concern as a parent, but also as a mayor. Parents trust us with their children. They want to know exactly what is going on. They do not sign up for letting us do whatever we want with their children when they come into schools. And so if a a parent wants their child tested, we'll get them tested. But they need to uh, identify that for us affirmatively. We are not going to flip the switch and take from parents the ability to um, determine for their own self, for their own family, whether or not there's going to be testing. That's what the CTU wants, to say to parents, last and final call, if you don't tell us affirmatively that you object to testing, we're testing your three-year-old, your four-year-old, your five-year-old. And in what world is that appropriate? That's my concern. Not only does that, I think, really erode, have the potential to erode the trust that we are trying to steadily build every single day with our parents, the lawyer in me says that is a recipe for litigation disaster. We're not going to do that. We want to work with the parents to build a, a testing regime that makes sense, but we want them to consent for their child to be tested. That's the smart, moral, rational thing to do. Well, that was Mayor Lightfoot chiming in, talking about COVID testing in the schools. 
Uh, but Pastor Chris Butler, you pointed out, you gave me this clip and pointed out, well, let's turn turn and look at this from a you know pro-life angle. Yeah, I mean, so the reason I pointed this out uh, to you, Dan, is that our state, the, the most recent sort of um, erosion of protection for preborn life uh, was the, uh, the uh, elimination of, of parental notice of abortion. Um, it already was not parental consent. It was just notification uh, if a minor uh, came in for an abortion. And now we don't have that uh, parental consent. And here we have the mayor talking about COVID testing, uh, which I actually agree with the mayor on this point. Um, you know, it's it's probably not cool to just perform COVID tests on people's children uh, without their consent. How much more, though, uh, performing an abortion on somebody's daughter uh, without not only their consent, but without even their knowledge? Um, I think that argument that was just made, the erosion of, of trust uh, is, is, is incredible um, and... Maybe there's potential for litigation as well. I mean, I guess we established it in law now. But that argument around parental guidance and the fact that parents want to be there for their kids. You know, the the reason I wouldn't want my three-year-old, you know, having a COVID test, something shoved up their nose. As a parent, you want to, like, walk your three-year-old through that. Here's what it's going to be and here's how it's going to feel and it's going to, you know, it may hurt a little. Whatever it is, you just want to be there. Um, and for parental notice to be rolled back in this state, um, as I've talked to folks, Dan, even people who are not pro-life uh, like I am, it's sort of a bridge too far. Uh, and I think it it makes the point of why we want to have um, diverse sets of voices uh, inside of our political parties, inside of our government, um, so that we can try to have just like, as, as the mayor described, like a, a, a reasonable world. Mm. Well, Pastor, you, you're running for Congress right now as a Democrat in Chicago. Uh, that doesn't fly with the party, in a sense. You're not on the party line with that. Uh, how are you navigating and kind of, can you break down maybe your nuanced perspective on, on abortion and sort of where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, when you think about the the party line, uh, I'm I'm sitting here on a radio show called Black and Right, uh, and it, I think that's because for me, I will pull ideas from across the political spectrum as long as they work for people, uh, and these issues have to work in the community, right? Uh, we can't just say the party says this, uh, so I go along with it. Uh, there will be times where communities across the 1st Congressional District need a congressperson uh, who will fight for their values. Uh, and when I go and knock on doors and talk to folks in the community, even people who are not you know, pro-life like I am, uh, as I would say, like as pro-life as I am, they're also not radically pro-abortion. Right. When, when you talk about sex, elective abortion, when you talk about uh, late term abortion, even people who don't identify as pro-life don't want to see that. And how do you bring any of this in without bringing in a voice uh, that is willing to represent the people? And not just on this issue. Think about all the economic issues that you wish somebody would have stood up for you, uh, even in the in this last session of Congress. Uh, certainly people can see in me 
somebody who is willing, just because of the fact that I'm running this way, is willing to stand up for uh, the values in the communities, uh, even when they sort of run counter to what might be professed at the top of the park. Well, Pastor Chris Butler, I'm excited that uh, you're exploring this opportunity and, and seeing what you can do with it. Uh, wish you all the best in, in your endeavor with that. If you want to call in, talk to Chris, 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. Here on Black and Right, I'm Dan Ehrman, joined as well uh, by Dr. Eric Wallace from freedomsjournalinstitute.org. We'll be right back after this on Black and Right. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm Dan Ehrman in for John Anthony today. John, right now, is down at the Thompson Center in Chicago emceeing a rally to reopen our state. Uh, so uh, we're thankful for him and glad to jump in. I'm joined again by Pastor Chris Butler, uh, Chicago Embassy Church, and Dr. Eric, Eric Wallace. And uh, you run Freedom's Journal Institute. Uh, you host a, a TV show, Kingdoms in Conflict, and uh, are involved in a whole host of things in kind of the intersection of uh, faith politics and bringing a black community perspective to that and, and speaking into it. Uh, we've been talking about abortion and the impact of that. Uh, just this morning, I was reading that in in uh, 2021, there were 10,000 more out-of-state abortions in Illinois than there was in 2019. Massive increase. Uh, and Chris, we were talking yesterday about how you know we're seeing institutions being built up um, around the state and some of the impact of that on the black community. But also, you have just an interesting perspective as you know somebody who you kind of have a conservative perspective on being pro-life. You you spoke at the March for Life just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. You know, a, a big part of the ministry that I do and the leadership that I provide really tries to reject those uh, those sort of divides and. And, and labels, because if we just get to the heart of this, uh, right now in the city of Chicago, there's a big fight over ward maps, right? Which is a fight over population, right? Population, in a lot of ways, is power. When you think about how many black lives have been snuffed out in the womb, uh, that's something that comes to my mind when I, when I look at the the political map. Uh, the The fact is... I'm a whole life uh, Democrat. Um, that means that I care about housing and security. That means I care about access to health care, quality education. And abortion is just not a solution to any of those things. Mm. Usually when somebody talks about abortion uh, and the need for it, they put it in that context of poverty and health care and housing. We need to fix poverty. We need to provide housing. We need to. Uh, expand access to health care. Abortion doesn't do any of those things, right? So I, I want to be focused on solutions. It, you've mentioned to me before, too, about how uh, abortion in in the, the systems and structures that are there almost target minority communities. You certainly see, you know, if you bring an equity lens to this, which, you know, we're on black and right. Look out. I, I bring, <laughs> if you bring an equity lens to this, you see outcomes here that mirror incarceration rates, that mirror poverty rates, uh, and all the stuff that we're trying to get out of uh, 
the black community. Uh, and so it certainly seems to me it's something that uh, really a even a justice oriented uh, progressive would be calling this particular practice into question. There's nothing that black folks get this much of of without having to struggle for it. Uh, that should raise red flags for everybody. Dr. Wallace. Yeah. Well, we, as we talked about this, there's, there's two things. One is I believe that, uh, uh, there, that the abortion clinics and stuff in the black community contribute to this cultural death. If you would, um, the number one killer of, of black Americans is actually abortion. And so, you know, when you have a disrespect for life, especially the life of an infant, the ones we should be protecting, um, how much more will you find that disrespect, you know, once they're alive and out on the streets? And then number two, we talked about the, the um, political aspect of this. Um, you're right. You can have this conversation because there are, there are uh, people on the right who, matter of fact, the state of Illinois pays for abortions because of what Bruce Rauner did, who's a Republican, uh, but he was a moderate Republican. So, there are people on both sides of the aisle who have differing opinions. There are pro-life Democrats, uh, even though it's hard to hear from them because they don't ever get the microphone. And then there, <laughs> and then there are pro-abortion uh, Republicans. And uh, of course, I'm also one of those pro-life um, conservatives um, that uh, you know advocate for life. And we've had a number of people on Kingdoms in Conflict, you know, to talk about this and why it's so important, especially in the church. Well, you know, in in terms of the impact on community, abortion isn't the be-all and end-all of, of, you know, life and uh, life starting at conception, but going, you know, through fullness of life, too. And, you know, one of the... One of the things that impacts all of us is education, and we've seen that with COVID and all the pressures with that. Uh, You know, I want to just start talking about that here in the next minute, uh, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I I would go back to the... uh the Lori Lightfoot quote, right? Um, because when, when I think about what we need to do in education, it's really about empowering parents. Um, and I am an advocate of pushing that to the nth degree uh, so that parents are empowered to make the, uh, the decision about what happens with all of the public money that is supposed to be there to invest in their child's education, right? Parents need to be able to guide that. I think that what will come from that uh, is is actually an explosion of educational entrepreneurship that could put finally uh, public education on the right path. And when I talk about public education, it's not the idea that uh, the the government should run out of the schools. Is is the idea that the public should be educated and that public funds should be invested to make sure that happens. There's a huge sense of stewardship that goes with that, and uh, you know to to hear you say that. Gives me joy that that you're you're you've got that perspective, and uh, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic and the conversation that comes up in your campaign uh, for Congress, running as a Democrat, but having this. In a lot of ways, you sound like a good conservative. <laughs> on that, it, it, <laughs> well, we're going to continue this conversation talking about education here in Illinois and in Chicago on Black and Right. I'm Dan Erman. We'll be right back after this. We now return to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. 
Well, I'm Dan Ehrman, in for John Anthony today, joined by Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace. We've been talking about a whole host of issues and guests, uh, and we've been talking about education in in the impact of that. Uh, Pastor Butler, you you kind of unpacked uh, a vision to to really uh, empower parents and. Uh, allow for maximal school choice. Uh, Dr. Wallace, I'm sure you're not without some insight on this as well. <laughs> well, that's one of one of the things I, you know, I've, I've run for office too in the past. And one of the things that I've, I've always can't champion just like, uh, you know, Pastor Butler is the whole idea of school choice. And I think when we talk about um, long-term solutions for the problems in our, our community, that's one of them. Our schools are terrible. And if, and if a student feels like he's not getting much uh, by going to high school or whatever, and he can do better out there in the streets, he's going to go out there in the streets, uh, number one. So we've got to uh, have better education. I'm one of those who believes we should bring back vocational schools. We end up getting rid of that. Uh, not everybody wants to go to college. Um, college is expensive. And I think what um, the Biden administration was trying to do with, you know, trying to give money for preschool and then money for folks to go to college well, we can't finish high school. I mean, we've got to be able to teach little Ray Ray or, or, or whoever, you know, how to do arithmetic, to read, to have skills when you, come out of, when you come out of high school and to want to stay in high school, to engage them. And uh, I think one of the reasons why vocation schools have um, kind of disappeared, and this may be controversial, but because the unions, the unions want to be able to have control of that. So if you want to learn plumbing or carpentry, You've got now got to go to um, the unions to, to learn how to do that. And, of course, what they're teaching you, they're going to automatically bring you into the union. Um, and interesting enough, here's one thing I may uh, uh, agree with some of those who talk about. I don't like to use the term social justice. I'm more into biblical justice. But um, there, there's been said that a lot of the unions uh, don't visit as many black oriented high schools as they do with white high schools. So. Um, I think part of the um, leveling the, the playing field is to allow uh, black parents to give them the, the initiative to, for school choice to go to. And I, and I would charge uh, churches to think more about opening up their own schools, make that available. Um, uh, charter schools, private schools, you know, whatever parents, wherever parents want to send their, their children, they should be empowered to do that and not the teachers union. Well, unions are part of the conversation, both in education and in vocation. And I, I know there's a lot of union members who listen to AM560. If you're, if you're listening now and want to chime in on our conversation, uh, call in 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600 uh, here on Black and Right. And, you know, as, as we look, explore these ideas in education, uh, Chris, it, it can be overwhelming. Uh, to any one of these issues that we've talked about. Uh, but as you look at the educational piece, do you think there's reason for optimism in Illinois? I, I do think there's reason for optimism in Illinois because I do think that, you know, myself and others who have worked in this space for a long time uh, are beginning to, to gain traction uh, in community when it comes to talking about parent empowerment uh, and school choice. Because when I talk about school choice, it is not against anybody who is, is currently working uh, in the system as it exists. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, educators and school leaders and different folks uh, are, are as trapped in that system as are the parents and the students. I think the way out 
uh, is to empower those parents. Dr. Wallace talked about churches start, starting schools. Uh, that's a lot easier if parents are actually able to right. pay to go to those schools. I mean, I, I know some churches uh, who, who had schools and had to close them down, right, because folks couldn't pay. Well, we're going to uh, continue talking uh, for another hour coming up still. Uh, after, the, after the break, we're going to talk to Pastor Keith Gordon, Love of Christ Baptist Church, another Southside pastor. Uh, we're having a great conversation today uh, in studio with Dr. Eric Wallace and Chris Butler. I'm Dan Ehrman here on Black and Right. We'll be, right, we'll be back right after this. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Well, kudos to Johnny Anthony for having some of the funnest music for coming in and out of segments here. Uh, I always enjoy his track. Uh, John, today, uh, if you haven't heard already, is uh, down at the Thompson Center in Chicago leading a rally. I think they're just wrapping up right now, uh, but uh, been excited to see the work that he's doing. Thankful for the voice that he has here on AM560. I'm Dan Ehrman, and my title is Director of Strategic Partnerships with uh, Salem Media Group, a parent company. And I work with both AM560 and also our sister station, AM1160, and I host uh, radio interviews every weekend on AM560. You might have heard me on Part of the Answer. That's uh, every Sunday at 4 o'clock. And then on AM1160, a Bible teaching station, I interview pastors and church leaders all over Chicago and uh, you know, just have different conversations that way. I'm in studio today with a couple of uh, Men who are thought leaders in both faith and politics and kind of operating at that intersection, uh, Dr. Eric Wallace of Freedom's Journal Institute and Pastor Chris Butler of uh, Chicago Embassy Church and also a candidate for the first congressional seat here in Illinois. Uh, as promised uh, before the break, we're going to talk right now to Pastor Keith Gordon, Love of Christ Baptist Church. He works uh, with Wheaton College uh, and uh, with with pastors all over the country, uh, Pastor Gordon, uh, you're a friend of mine. Welcome to Black and Right. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could call in. We've uh, talked already with uh, Pastor Corey Brooks, Donovan Price, Justin Gibney, uh, and uh, to be able to talk with you, we've just had a conversation about education and perspectives on that. And that's something that you're not entirely unfamiliar with. Uh, and wanted to, you know, kind of bring you up to speed on, on what we've talked about and, uh, you know, of looking at school choice, looking at, you know, options for homeschooling and uh, the dynamics with unions and, and all that. Uh, you know, is it, for you as a pastor and a father, uh, what is the impact of uh, schools in, in your experience in Chicago? From what we've been seeing happening lately, Dan, in the midst of our culture, is we're trying to fit a round peg in a square hole, not realizing that that the true essence of education starts at home. And I believe that the education system should be partnering with the parents, and the parents should not be partnering per se with the educational system, which means is the parents are responsible for the ultimate education 
and we should supplement it with education in the system. So if we work cohesively together, the parents and the families should help design what is being taught in the public square. And I believe you would have less problems working with the culture and community because from that point on, the character is built by the, by the parents and it, it trickles down to the education system and it'll make the education system more viable and more attractive. And that's why we see then back in the 80s and 90s, specifically, you saw 600, almost 600,000 children in the system going to public schools. As of this past year, in the fall of 2021, we've had, we have only maybe 330,000 students, high school and, and elementary. The question is, where did the other 230,000 kids go? They, they've gone to private school, Catholic, Christian, or homeschooling. And I believe it's going to continue to be a, uh, a plight of those departing from the system because they realize they're allowing the culture to influence the kids when it should be Christ. Just the same. Amen. Pastor Gordon, this is your, this is your best friend on the so- in the south suburbs. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Dr. I would Wallace. say this, oh, lo- oh Lord, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to to talk about your your ministry to school to public schools. I know you do you have I don't remember the name of it, but I know you have. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, right now we're we're, we're 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 leading on on mission, and the the crux of what we've been doing is we have been working with at least eight pastors in eight communities, adopting those eight schools in the south and west side of Chicago, and our ultimate goal is to partner with the schools. And we, we've found principals who want to see change happen, Eric. And what we've done is ask them, if you, if you really understand that the, the character of the kid is shaped by moral and ethical instruction. So because students can sit in a school system, after school program, well, they can actually learn. And that means from 345 to 445, we've seen children whether we're using an Awana club or a good news club, which is a Christian education based program. And we're, we've used that to start, shall we say, curving the, the character of the kids. We've invited Christ. We're teaching them how to read. We're actually using that same opportunity. Watch this to be able to help the parents to see that we can have instruction for them, how to cook, um, financial education, and in, in encouraging them to know that we can help them find jobs and interviewing for, for, for job opportunities. So we're working for the whole family. And here's the crux. Most people won't go to churches, but they will go to the schools where their kids attend. And what we've made a decision was is why not just do this? We don't bring the, that's the them to come to church. We bring the church and we bring God to the schools. That's where the kids are. That's where the parents are. And we're seeing grades go up. Character continue to increase, and most importantly, we've seen interruptions in classes to decrease. We're excited about that. We're adopting the schools, communities, churches, and most importantly, we're adopting a format that works. Well, Pastor Gordon, as as you've done that work, you're kind of operating in this messy in-between sort of that separation of church and state, uh, in a sense. How do you navigate that space 
uh, you know, to, to act Christianly and for the good of the community, but not overstepping your role within, you know, a public education context. What does that look like? Great question, Dan. What we found out so far, real, real easily, almost 20 years ago, there was a lawsuit that was placed that said, you can't have scholastic education for Christian or religious between 8.15 and 3.30. Well, at 3.31 p.m., the United States Supreme Court said any religious organization or entity can now come into school after school program. And you've got to consider that to be an after school program where any parent, any child want to participate with it. So if we're adding value, if we're helping to buy the book bags for that school, if we're adding value, we're paying for some of the, the teachers, shall we say, fees or the teacher specifically having a meal or having an introduction or return to school meal for the kids or for the teachers. We're working out with the, working with the PT, the PTA union. PTA organization. Mm. So by us parking with them, helping them to do great things there, they're working with us because we're, we're part of them and they're part of us. But most importantly, we're exposing them to Christ by doing one moment, one day, one opportunity, and one event at a time. And they're welcoming us. Well, Pastor, your work isn't just in the school and your work, you know, with Love of Christ uh, Baptist Church in Chicago uh, talk a little bit more about sort of your larger vision for the work that you want to be doing in Chicago in the years ahead. Sure. Right now, our church has been partnering with churches, and we've been make, helping to make it easier for churches. So the goal of every church is to realize we're not a option to ourselves. And what we have to do is make a decision, and we're partnering with Chicago United in prayer. That's that's a, a conglomerate, a, a, a plethora, and even an array of different churches from different denominations, and we're asking, let's come and pray together, number one. Number two, after we pray together, let's go and serve together. So through, through Love of Christ Baptist Church, we're creating a new ministry called Serve Chicago. Serve Chicago. So we're going to come underneath the umbrella of Chicago United and Dr. John Pewter, who is also a Moody professor, and he's also the, he is the leader of... Chicago United in Prayer or Pray Chicago that's going to be taking place, real good plug, on tomorrow. Church, almost 2,000 people will be gathered together tomorrow to do so. So what we're doing is we're on in May, which is Memorial Day, July Independence Day, and I think it's August to September, is, it's um, Labor Day. We're going to be asking all churches to gather together. We find spaces in all 77 communities. In those 77 communities, Let's find a way where we can serve Chicago, not asking what we, can we take to be consumers, but be contributors of what we can give. Pastor, any chance I can keep you through the break? You can. All right, we'll be right back with Pastor Keith Gordon, uh, Dr. Eric Wallace, Pastor Chris Butler. I'm Dan Ehrman here on Black and Right In for John Anthony. We'll be right back after this. Don't put the blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about it's black and right with john anthony on am 560 the answer 
Dan Ehrman in today for John Anthony, joined in studio with Dr. Eric Wallace, Freedom's Journal Institute, and Pastor Chris Butler, Chicago Embassy Church. On the phone, uh, Pastor Keith Gordon, uh, you know, we've been talking education. We talked about abortion earlier. We talked about violence in Chicago. And, uh, you know, over the summer, uh, there was legislation that got pushed through uh, the Illinois House, and Pritzker signed it into law. Uh, that has a really progressive uh, view towards sexual education and very graphic displays uh, that, uh, you know, are mandatory. uh, And, you know, that's still being parsed out and they're going to roll it out for next school year over the summer. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some of that. How how has that impacted the families in your church and, and how they're interacting with their local school? Yeah, yeah. Just recently, I put an email out to our church and even posted on Facebook a thought. And I think to your point, I think it comes down to us as parents, as those who are have a Christian worldview, which is extremely important to all of us. And that means you cannot wait for the, the education system or the government to educate you on how you raise your children. My wife and I made a decision before we got married to make the decision that we would live before our children, but also we would teach them what thus said the Lord. So we don't have to apologize for this. Let me give you an example. Our kids went through the public school system during the COVID in 2020. Here's the greatest example I can give of how we were able to combat what's happening in the system without being, shall we say, abrasive or being contentious. The we opted out of being taught K through twelve the information that was being, shall we say, marketed, and we thought it was going to happen. Did you do you know they slid that in there and and wanted to apologize later? Well, the problem they they found out that I have a we have a nine year old, I'm sorry, we had an eight year old and a ten year old and a twelve year old that had already been schooled, educated and grounded and foundational. When they brought it to them about it's okay to touch yourself or touch other young people, you can experiment with sexuality, or you can specifically be willing to take chances and and be transgender. We were even on the phone. Our 8, 10, and 12-year-old defended their faith and told them this is not biblical, this is not right, I'm going to hear you, but everything you're speaking to us is wrong. I believe the problem comes to the place is when we're trying to fight the government, the children and the parents have got to make a decision that you educate them at home, teach them the biblical views, teach them about who they are and who they, who they are and how God created them, and it makes it an easier fight when the children are able to speak against what they don't believe. Well, I'd want to encourage parents, grandparents out there, you know, if you're not aware of uh, this new law that is coming up, that's going to come into impact next school year. And you can opt out your child or, you know, talk to talk to your kids if you've got grandkids and, and make sure in Illinois that, you know, they they're able to opt out of that sexual ed education. Not only is it graphic and experimental and, you know, pushing the grounds, it, it, it starts, you know, sex ed used to be kind of a middle school thing. Right now, it starts at kindergarten is the new yeah. law. 
And that that law encompasses teaching grade school kids to to pick out their their pronouns. Uh, and as a Christian, that's antithetical to you know to me. I I I think of Romans one and uh, how people become depraved, and God gives them over to their depravity and saying, uh, you know, what is is not, and uh, they they do what ought not to be done. And there's a a part of me that looks at that and says, wow, there's, there are, there are, I I talked about this earlier, powers and principalities of evil and that our battle in the world isn't against necessarily a political opponent, but against those powers and principalities of evil as, as Christians for, for you as a a pastor, you and you're kind of on the front line of that. Uh, how, how do you see that that spiritual dynamic in in, yeah, in Chicago? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I'm I'm glad you asked. Here's a statement. I continue to share with my congregation. My congregation's mixed. We have Asian, Latino, whites, and black, and we're excited about having that mixture there. And what what we do share in the midst of it, and we tell them this is not a race problem. We tell them it's not an expenditures or a financial or economic problem. And then we go further. We tell them, because we're, we're in a position where we, we're independent of all the other spaces, it's not a Republican or it's not a Democratic problem. We tell them, this is a heart problem. This is a sin problem. And we go straight for the judgment and say specifically, there are people on both sides, donkeys and elephants, <laughs> just the same. <laughs> and we have to realize that the only solving answer, the antidote, it's not the elephant, it's not the donkey, it's the Lamb of God. And when he comes back, he comes back as the Lion of Judah. And for that reason, we're able to embrace people and show them that it's a heart problem, it's a darkness of a heart problem, it's a sin problem, because if you get the heart, then you're going to get the head of how they think. If you get the heart, you get the hand of what they do. And if you get the heart, you control the heel where they go. The heart controls all things, and the only thing that can penetrate our heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared, that he's Lord and Savior, and he rose again. And if we do it that way, all things will change. Families will change. Cities, states, nation, world. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to add another uh, uh, scripture to that. First Timothy 4.1, I actually did a presentation on this. It was, this was more for um, critical theory. But it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of the demons. Um, and it goes on to say, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences have been seared. So um, I think the church has to be aware that some of these teachings, such as uh, comprehensive sex education, um, critical race theory, some of the whole ideas that, you know, white people are inherently uh, racist and they were kind of you know, born that way. I don't see that in scripture anyway, in anywhere where the unpardonable sin is, is racism. Um, and that some people have just taken it way, way, way too far. And we have to guard our, uh, our children against that stuff. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm appreciative of what you're doing, Keith, in, in partnering with schools and, and praying for them. And, and the way you've, you've taught your kids to stand up for their faith. And I think, People should take note of that, how we need to prepare our kids, because we lose our kids, um, especially when they start going off to, to college. 
a lot of Absolutely. a lot of folks, a lot of kids come back and they've lost their faith. They just have none at all. And if we're not equipping them to fight for it, they're going to they're going to lose it. If I can say this part, and Dan, I'll throw it back to you. Here is the statement. This this may resonate with us. It, it's been said that if a child comes to Christ, three point five percent of the family comes to Christ. If if a mother comes to Christ, seventeen percent of the family comes to Christ. But get this: if a dad, a mm-hmm. father, a husband comes to Christ, ninety three percent, it's been noted, will come to faith. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Asian, white, Latino, black. Again, I'm not in that race um, thought. My belief is uh, if a father man raises his children, loves the wife, and the way to love the children is to love, his, love their mama. If a, if a man stands firm and says, not on my watch, I'm, I'm not going to tell you to go to church. I'm going to lead you to Christ. And that family will have strong morals, strong ethics, strong views, and the most importantly, they'll have a great future because it's been modeled and shown before them. And then watch God change. Because that dad gives a dialogue. He's given conversation for success. He's given direction. He's given discipline. And watch God give deliverance. Dialogue, direction, discipline brings deliverance to a family. And we'll see God do great things. Well, Pastor Keith, uh, you and I know we, we've had our long conversations, but we've got to wrap up here. Uh, for for uh, folks who want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? Sure. For more information about myself, go to www.locbc.com. Again, www.l is in Larry, O is in Oscar, C is in Charlie, B is in Boy, C is in Charlie.com. Love it. Well, Pastor Keith Gordon, uh, thank you for calling in here on Black and Right. Hopefully we'll hear from you again before long. Uh, Keep up your good work and uh, uh, wish you all the best. Bless you all. I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back after this with Dr. Eric Wallace and Pastor Chris Butler. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Once again, I'm Dan Urban sitting in for John Anthony today with Dr. Eric Wallace and Pastor Chris Butler. We've been talking uh, all kinds of issues today uh, in politics and faith and Chicago and, and the outlook uh, for, for our future. Uh, most recently, we were talking about uh, uh, the schools and the impact of that. Uh, I'd like to welcome... Uh, Jim, welcome to Black and Right. How you guys doing? Doing real well. Having a good Hello. day. Thank you. Good. Great, great. Good topic. Um, I've uh, I've known past Mr. Wallace for a long time, been a supporter of his, and it's good to hear you on the radio and uh, hear your it, topics. Is this Jimmy O'Connell? Um, that's me. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Anyways, um, I live out in Elgin. I have a daughter. I'm like Trump having a kid when I'm 60. I have a daughter. She'll be seven in uh, March, and she should be in first grade, and I refused to put her in school with a face diaper on. There's no medical reason for this whatsoever. Mm. And so I was lucky to find a nice family in Elgin where the lady has three kids about the same age, and she's been homeschooling her children. She took one of the, one of the rooms off the front door and made it into a classroom, and so my daughter goes there now three days a week, and it's wonderful, and she's learning, and she loves these kids, and they love her. It was a nice addition 
through their family. <clears throat> and I'm telling people, get your kids out of these public schools because they're cesspools of garbage. And until, you know, and also like they're doing in Virginia, we got to you know, run and compete against these school board members and get these people out of there. As what they're doing is just awful to these kids. In fact, I was reading, hearing out in California, they want to propose a law where children can have, like from 12 and up till 12 years and older, can have any kind of vaccine or whatever they want to have you know, given to them without their parents' knowledge. And this is the state trying to basically take control of your, of your children. And good people have to sit up and resist and take over some of these school boards and basically just give them the big middle finger and say no. Because they want to change people and make these people subservient to the state, and we can't let it happen. Love it. Well, Jim, uh, we appreciate you calling in, and thank you for your support for Black and Right and working with Salem. Uh, you know, Chris Butler, uh, it, your family has, has kind of advocated in your own way along these lines. Yeah, I mean, my family, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I mean, we have homeschooled since uh, our uh, first daughter was born. She's 10 years old now. We uh, decided that we were going to do that um, before we had children. Uh, so, you know, it it wasn't, you know, a rejection of uh, any one particular thing that's happening uh, in the schools. It's just what we wanted to to do. And I think that's the most important thing. And I, I'll take a moment to say this, Dan and Dr. Wallace, because I think it's really important. Some people are going to come at this from a, you know, you got like a very conservative sort of uh, orthodoxy and, and viewpoint. Some some of us uh, are, are coming from a different viewpoint, but the idea that parents should have the capacity uh, to do the very best for their children as possible. I think it's something that everybody should be able to get with. Um, and and we, we have to make that happen. It, I mean, we're talking about children here. We have to be able to make that happen. Well, Jim, I've, I've seen uh, numbers on, on homeschooling, and during COVID, it looks like the number of homeschooled uh, students in the country has doubled. And, uh, you know, I think what you're doing – is very much in in line with you know what we're seeing in the culture as a whole. Absolutely. I mean, if well, I can, well, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say that's what they got to do. And what happens too? Eventually, if so few people are in school, that'll mean less uh, funding for the schools. And I also think politically, we have to you know organize and try to get you know people to understand we need to have school vouchers, you know, and things like this. So all that money you're spending in taxes, you know, you can control your own destiny. You know, use it for your own purpose and not. Having yeah, going to the rat hole of public school expense. Yeah, I mean, Jim, right. I, I think you, you absolutely, I mean, you have to be able to give parents that kind of uh, power to control those dollars because parents are going to make the best thing happen for their kids. Uh, and we got to trust parents. Well, that's right. And that's why the example of Virginia was a big one. And that's why people got to pick up with it and just basically say, no, we got to, you know, compete against the school boards, get these Marxists out of there. So common sense can be uh, can rain in again. All right, and Jim. Here in Illinois, I, I hope I'm I'm campaigning personally for Darren Bailey and Stephanie <laughs> Trussell to be our next governor, lieutenant governor, because they'll do a lot to stem this uh, reverse this course as well. That's great. Well, thanks for calling in. We wish you all the Thank best. You. Enjoy your weekend. I appreciate you guys too. Well, you know we we've looked at a lot of different things within education in the schools and in the issues going on there. Uh, but you know, there's there's other dynamics at play. I, I think Donovan Price did a great job of creating a laundry list of issues that need to be dealt with and navigated. 
and 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 kicked around in in some sense. And uh, I think we we want to progress in our conversation to to look at the economy and. You know, if, if you've if you've got investments, you know, in the last uh, six, eight weeks, it's been rough. You, you might be down 25, 30 percent in some of your investments and, you know, things bouncing around out there. Uh, that uncertainty uh, certainly always creates opportunity, but it also uh, points toward, you know, what's going on and what's the impact uh, from from Biden's policies to uh, the rest of the economy. So we're going to talk more about that with Pastor Chris Butler and Dr. Eric Wallace here on Black and Right. uh, I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back after this. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm on the loose, whoa, 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 making moves. I need some more, whoa, whoa. Dan Nerman in for John Anthony today. Uh, Pastor Chris Butler, uh, you've been enjoying these playlists coming in and out of segments. Yes, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, so, John, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan of your, your playlist. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we were talking just before the break about the economy. If you're a regular listener to AM560, uh, the Sean Thompson Show is on every evening from 4 to 7 here on AM560, and and I love hearing him talk about the economy, him uh, being a foreigner uh, board, you know, at the Chicago Board of Trade, and uh, his insight on that, and I don't bring that expertise, uh, uh, but, you know, I think when we look at the economy and business, uh, all of those things tangentially are impacted uh, by, by our politics, by faith, and the intersection of that, uh, you know, Pastor Chris Butler, you're you're looking to run you know, for Congress, and economics is something that's close to your heart and, and stuff that you've got a lot of perspective on. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the economy uh, is, is close to my heart. Uh, if people are going to uh, live the kind of life that we want to see folks live, uh, being able to make a living is a huge part of that, right? Um, number one reason right now that young people are reporting that they're not getting married is because uh, of financial reasons, right? They don't feel like they can, um, you know, afford to get into that stuff. Uh, and I look around the state of Illinois, the first congressional district, there's so many communities uh, that have been impacted by everything from uh, globalization and uh, jobs going overseas. Uh, you know, the, the opioid crisis, which uh, I think is coming out more and more uh, that like other drug crises in the past is something that has been driven uh, by profit motive people taking advantage of communities. Um, and so I think we have to start to have a conversation about how do we bring our economy back into balance uh, so that the everyday person can build personal wealth, can build community wealth, can build family wealth um, in a way that's sustainable and fair. Well, I know when I uh, you know get my paycheck and I look at uh, the investment that I make in insurance and um, you know in healthcare and the premiums around that, uh, that that has a huge impact on every family, I think. And uh, you know, looking back in the impact of Obamacare, there may have been good intentions, but the reality of a lot of that policy as it's come home now, uh, it's a it's a, a massive drain on the economy. I mean, if if your vision of of health care is only looking at health insurance. Um, you're never going to like get all the way home, right? Like you, you got to get a, a medical system 
that is not so focused on and driven by profit, but is actually looking at actual health. Uh, and so when you when you do something that is like, you know, maybe a little bit of a windfall uh, for health insurance, and I think really uh, well-intended, um, had some good impacts for folks who otherwise would be uh, uninsured, but you still have a, a situation where, you know, Medicaid uh, and Medicare can't negotiate uh, drug prices, still too difficult to, um, you know, to, to buy, you know, uh, uh, medicines across state lines in different uh, places. And, and, and so you, you got to start to think about how do we begin to remove more of the, the profit motive from the center of, of healthcare and make healthcare uh, a system that's actually about the health and well-being of people and not profits uh, for larger insurance. Well, I think that sounds, that sounds good, but I don't think it ever works. Um, people look after their... People go into medicine and spend all the time and the energy to get a medical degree, and it costs a lot because I have friends who are doctors, um, in order to, to live well and to take care of their families. And I don't think we have uh, the amount of drugs and the health care system that we have that actually helps people with diabetes and, and other uh, you know, cancer and stuff like that live as long as they live without some kind of profit motive. You, you cannot move, remove the profit motive from because nobody works for free. Nobody does this for free. Um, you don't you don't pastor for free. I don't do what I do for free. Uh, you know, sometimes my wife thinks <laughs> that we do some of this for free, not not as much as we should be getting paid. But um, I understand that there should be something. I believe in health clinics. I think there should be. I think there should be this profit, uh, this competition motive that helps bring down cost. And if there are some barriers to um, uh, that we should look at them to see whether the free market can help come up with new ideas about how we do healthcare. I'm 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 open for that. Okay, but um I am not open to having the federal government or anybody else try and dole out you know how much healthcare or that we should somehow um try and subsidize it because it doesn't it just doesn't work in my opinion. It ends up costing more because they know that you have more money to spend and it's coming from the government. Some of the legacy in healthcare in America too is in a lot of ways, the modern hospital and the medical movement that we have in the Western world really came out of the church. It was funded by the church right, uh, right. for the community. And some of the legacy and history of that gets kind of, you know, mapped over and, you know, follow the science and let's bring God and put him out of it. But the reality is that that's part of what's going on is caring for people is fundamental yep. to it. Uh, Chris? And, and I, I think, you know, one thing that I want to make sure that nobody's hearing me say, like, remove profit motive, right? Uh, but centering profit and having profit drive health care um, is, is, is not the same uh, as having a profit motive within the healthcare industry for uh, folks who are working in that industry. You need that in, 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 in every industry. And, you know, we do bridge over into other things that I'm very serious about, like, uh, Big education. Why does college cost so much? Why yeah. is it continually going up? Uh, and you can't really tackle any one of these issues uh, in a vacuum. So you got to keep having that conversation. Well, we're going to continue our conversation right after this here on Black and Right. You're hearing from Pastor Chris Butler, Dr. Eric Wallace. I'm Dan Ehrman. We'll be right back after this. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. It's your 
Well, that went quick. Uh, this is Dan uh, in for John Anthony. Uh, we wish John all the best. We thank him for the opportunity to sit in. Uh, I'm joined as uh, for the last three hours with uh, Pastor Chris Butler, Dr. Eric Wallace. Uh, Eric, going into the break, we were talking about the economy, and, and yeah. you just had some additional perspective on that. Yeah, because uh, one of the things I'd, I'd mentioned before, kind of our foundation for Freedom Journal Institute is our RISE principles. And that's responsible government, individual liberty and fidelity, strong family values, and economic empowerment. And since we're talking about economics, um, and these aren't separate in their different silos. They all overlap. So if you have bad uh, government, like overtaxation, things like that, it makes it hard for people to develop wealth because mm-hmm. the government's trying to take it all away, right? Uh, and people don't realize that until they start getting into certain brackets and they start looking at their paychecks and say, wait a minute, where did all that money go? And I think we need to stop also demonizing rich people and start figuring out, okay, how did they create their wealth? How did they get there? Because people move up and down the scale. One of the things, you know, I do, do a lot of reading about by Thomas Sowell, and Thomas Sowell is a great economist, uh, black economist, someone I think we should all be reading. And he talks about throughout their lifetime, people move up the scale. Sometimes they come down, but sometimes they go up. Uh, most people earn more in their latter, latter days than they do when they first start out and they're 20 years old. So what do we do with that wealth? And what are... Uh, rich people who have gone from maybe poverty or, or middle class to becoming very wealthy, what did they do? And how do we encourage people to start their own businesses, to own a house, to buy property, to do all these things that we used to do in the past? I mean, we talk about historical yeah. context. Yeah, and we got to fix this stuff that has made it more difficult to do those things. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Present. I think there's a sense of stewardship that is under, yeah, there we go. you know, foundational to all of this. And stewardship isn't just about, you know, how do I, you know, get the most money and do the most philanthropy, but it's about, you know, that, that outlook that everything is from God. And if I have open hands, I can steward that and Amen. position that and, and use the assets God gives me in the world to make an impact, uh, Dr. Wallace, in the last couple minutes, uh, Freedoms Journal Institute, take us up. Freedomsjournalinstitute.com, excuse me, .org. <laughs> Freedomsjournalinstitute.org. You can go there. You can find us. You can you know, watch the Rise Principles. It's actually a video. Uh, you can get Kingdoms in Conflict, uh, interact with that, as well as Black um, Families Matter. Um, and there's blackfamiliesmatter.org as, as well. But you can get to it from our our main uh, website as well. I'd encourage you to check it out. There's a ton of resources there. And then Pastor Chris Butler. Yeah, I would encourage people to go to electchrisbutler.com. You can uh, help insert some uh, a reasonable, people-oriented voice into this conversation, Democratic Party. In your church. And go to uh, CEC Network, Chicago Embassy Church Network, cecnetwork.church. You guys have two church locations, one in Hyde Park and then another... South Holland. South Holland. Well, I'd encourage uh, folks to check it out. If you're not part of a church, uh, uh, go go see uh, cecnetwork.church. You can find our addresses, meeting times, all that stuff. Great. Well, I'm Dan Ehrman. Uh, this has been Black and Right today. You can hear me uh, here on AM560 Sundays at uh, 4 p.m. I, I do profiles with leaders in business and politics in the community all across Chicago uh, that's, uh, again, uh, Sundays at 4 uh, for part of the answer. Tomorrow I'll be speaking with uh, uh, Professor Dr. Vincent Bacote, who's a, prof- a professor at Wheaton College, uh, talks about, again, that intersection of uh, faith, politics, 
Uh, and we had a great conversation. I encourage you to tune in tomorrow at four. Gentlemen, any last word? Uh, we are a nonprofit organization. So if you give money, you go to the website. <laughs> it is tax deductible and we'd appreciate it. Love it. Well, guys, thank you for your insight and your generosity and your time. Uh, it's been an honor to, to have this conversation together. Thank you so much for having Thank you for having us. And our thanks to John Anthony for having us in. Wish you all the best. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for having a great play. All I feel is rain. I cannot maintain the badness of my brain. I resort to violence. My killers move in silence. Like you don't know what I'm silent. So your killers are wild. My dogs is with it. You want it? Come and get it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.